asking to prepare you to encounter him today. Father, we thank you for your word that is living and active. And Holy Spirit, we ask that today, as we hear your word, God, we pray that you will, you will speak to each of us, that God will not just hear, but we will obey and follow your word. And God, we pray uh, for Andre right now as he ministers your word to us. Father, would you just be with him? Spirit, would you anoint him and, and bless him even as he is here to minister to us today? Equip him with all that he needs. And, and, and just be with him today, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good evening, afternoon, evening, evening. Technically, 5 o'clock evening, right? Hello? Loud gen, right? Cannot be oxymoron, or must be loud. <laughs> Hi, my name is Andre. Uh, super duper excited to be here. How many of you are excited to be here too? Just me? No? Same? What? Same, same, but different. Okay. Well, this is my first time meeting you guys, so hi. My name is Andre. Uh, I am 26. I know I look like I'm 36, but actually 26. Uh, technically, I'm not a youth anymore. You know, I became an adult uh, about a year ago. I was at a, youth, I was at a conference recently and... Uh, you know, the speaker was like, I want to pray for the youth, the young people in this place. And uh, I was like, okay, you know what? Better make my, my way out of my seats and get to the front. And the person was like, yeah, I want to pray for the youth, those who are 25 and below. I, I, uh, and realization here, I'm no longer a youth. I'm a adult. Hello? Okay. Better tell a funny story first. Okay, let me tell you uh, a bit about myself. Um, I'm uh, pastoring in a church called The City. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm on staff there, and uh, I grew up with uh, Jason and Constance, who were here um, some time back. Uh, pastor Daniel is a senior pastor. He was also my youth pastor. Growing up, uh, be before I came on staff, I was actually in a Bible school for three years, and I uh, recently got back, and I've been on staff for about a year. And uh, one of the things that you'll, you'll realize very soon by the end of this preaching is that I'm pretty cheeky. I like to tell jokes. Puns are my favorite, especially quality puns. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I, I'm really playful, okay? And so, uh, you know, one of the things I used to do is I used to quote uh, this verse that I absolutely love in the Bible. It, it, it's found in Deuteronomy. It goes... The secret things belong to the Lord. Everybody say, the secret things. The secret things, ooh. And, uh, and you know, that, that I, I absolutely love that verse. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And so, um, one of the things I used to do is, you know, when someone would text me like, hey, Andre, do you know, uh, do you want to go somewhere to eat? Where, where would you like to eat? And, you know, it's usually my cop-out for not making a decision. I'll be like, the secret things belong to the Lord. Deuteronomy 28, 28. And, and, and I'll do that repeatedly. And someone will be like, like, hey, Andre, uh, where do you want to go? What movie do you want to watch later? I'll be like, Deuteronomy 28, 28. The secret things belong to the Lord. And I'll just quote the verse, you know. And, and uh, after that, you know, I, would, uh, I, I was in Bible school for three years. And uh, uh, don't flip to your Bible yet. Uh, I was in Bible school for three years. And, and, and people would be like, like I have all these assignments. And, uh, you know, I, was, I figured Bible school, 
You know, I don't know the answer to this question. will be like, Deuteronomy 23, the secret things belong to the Lord. And you know, it, you can't fault me for, for giving you the wrong answer because it's Bible. And you know, I, I did that for a number of years. And you know, one day I was like, hey, let me check if I actually quoted the right verse all this while. And I realized that I've been quoting the wrong verse. Secret things belong to us. Actually, Deuteronomy 29, 29. Not 28, 28. And so, don't turn your Bible. I, I'll turn it for you. Let me read to you this morning and let me open this time of preaching uh, with a verse from Deuteronomy 28, 28. And this is how it goes. It goes, The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of heart. You shall grope at noonday as a blind man gropes in darkness. You will not prosper in all your ways. You will only be oppressed and plundered continually. I tell you, man, it, it just gets better. It goes like, you have an ox, and the ox shall be killed before your eyes, and you'll not eat of your ox. Your donkey will be violently taken away from you. Oh, man, it just goes on. It's super beautiful. And so picture this. When someone asks me, like, hey, Andre, what movie do you want to watch? I'd be like, the Lord will strike you with madness and blindness. Hey, Andre, what do you want to eat for lunch? I'll buy you lunch. The Lord will strike you. And so that's a bit about me. Funny, eh? Laugh, eh? Uh-huh. Hey, BB boy. Steady. I was a BB boy also. Correct, right? Like that, right? Have you ever tried the BB handshake? No? Uh, 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 you you try it. It's an experience. It's a very interesting handshake. Late, later, after, at the end of service, go to him and ask him to show you the BB handshake. Amazing. Okay, well, today, uh, I, I, um, I'm not going to go very long. I just want to share... A uh, couple stories, a couple things uh, about me, and um, read some Bible, and hopefully you'll learn something at the end of it. Yes, cool. You know, um, one of the journeys I've been on uh, in the last few years it's, is rediscovering what it means to be a Christian or what Christianity is all about. You know, I came into a point in my life where I have like attended the conference, uh, uh, attended the services cried at the altar. I remember we used to have this altar that was um, wood and people would cry and then the snot would be on the wood. Then after that, it would dry up. Then when you walk, it goes like yuck, yuck, a bit because it's a bit sticky. So I did that, you know. I, I went on my mission trips and uh, I've been around the block for, for uh, some years and, and at one point, I just asked myself, is Christianity so much more than services, so much more than, you know, some of the charitable stuff that we do, so much more than than trips, so much more than altar calls. Is there more to it, right? Have you all ever wondered that, you know, is Christianity more than the Sunday service or the occasional Saturday or Friday gathering? Is that, is that more than that that, that that means, you know, to be a Christian? How many of you have thought that before? Just me? Great. Surrounded by people who ponder. And... and <laughs> And so I, I was just asking myself, like, what does it mean to be a Christian? Like, like, what does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to live for God? What does it mean to be a disciple of Christ? You know, if, if I tell you today I'm a disciple of Bruce Lee, I know, not very convincing, because I look more like Kung Fu Panda rather than Bruce Lee. But anyway, if I say today I am a disciple of Bruce Lee, instinctively you would know Andre desires to be some proponent of martial arts, Right? It should be higher, but my jeans are tight. And so, and so if I were a disciple of Bruce Lee, right, you know, Andre wants to, hi If I'm a disciple of like Gordon Ramsay, the cook, 
you would know Andre desires to cook, right? But what does it mean okay, for you and me when we say we are disciples of Jesus? What is that instinctive thing that, that comes to mind? Have you ever wondered that? Because it's, it's easy for us to connect with, with uh, other things. That are, we, we, we put some thought to it. Like Bruce Lee equals martial arts. Gordon Ramsay equals to cooking. But what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to be a disciple of Him? What does it mean to be a Christian? Which essentially means follower of Christ. What does it mean? Does it simply mean that we go to church? Does it simply mean that we say nice things? Does it simply mean that we don't say the bad words. <laughs> is there more to being a Christian that meets the eyes? Transformer? Robot? No? Okay, not your time. Oh, that's your watch, what? Huh? Cartoon? Is there more that meets the eye? Have you ever wondered that? You know, and, and so I, I was at a point in my life where I was thinking, like, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? What does it mean to be saved even? If I ask you the question today, how many of you know uh, that you're saved? How many of you know that you're saved? Okay, pretty much all of you. The rest of you, we will have a conversation later. Uh, <laughs> all of you know that you're saved. Can I ask, how do you know that you're saved? Most of you will probably say, I prayed the prayer, right? I prayed the sinner's prayer, and now I'm saved. Yes? Yes? This is yes. This is no. Yes? This, this is I don't know. <laughs> yes, right? We prayed the prayer, and then you're saved. Yes? But it's interesting, okay, that that thing of the sinner's prayer, praying the sinner's prayer, did not come to existence till the early 1900s. If salvation equals to praying the prayer, then everyone that lived before the 1900s is in hell right now because they're not saved. So, so, so right now, okay, in conclusion, we have already come to the conclusion that salvation is not based on a prayer. It's not based on a practice. Then what does it mean to be saved then? What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? What does it mean to be one who follows him? What does it mean? Could it be that salvation is more than just a moment, but it really is a lifestyle? You know, the Bible says that we ought to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Could it be that it's not uh, predicated and based on a decision in a moment, but it is, a, uh, it is based on a lifestyle that is filled with continuous decisions with moments after moments where you make decisions after decisions to follow Jesus? Could it be? Scary? Are you all still with me? Yes? I promise there will be more jokes after this. Could it be? And so I, I was asking myself the question, that, that same question that I posed to you earlier, what what, what is the first thought that comes to my mind you know, when I talk about being a disciple of Jesus? What was the thing that even attracted me to Christianity in the first place? Could it be that that, that very thing is the thing that I'm called to model, the thing that I'm called to grow in, the thing that I'm called to mature in? And so my story goes, um, I was a normal boy, you know, uh, chubby, <laughs> still chubby, uh, 
But you know, I, I, I grew up in, in, a, in a Buddhist family and um, great parents, you know, uh, great siblings, had a great upbringing, uh, never had any lack in my life, you know. But um, I remember uh, when I was 11 years old, I was sitting uh, in my tuition teacher's uh, house and I was just sitting there and uh, every time after uh, the, the, she's done teaching the material, teaching the, the stuff, she would sit down and she would tell me a story. Okay? And, and uh, now in hindsight, I realized that these stories that she'll share with me are Bible stories. And so it's almost like I went to Sunday school without even knowing that I went to Sunday school. So, I, so she'll tell me these stories. But, and, and the thing is, every time she'll tell me these stories, I'll be like, wow, that's a great story. Uh, but, you know, there, it felt like there was, there was this longing in my heart to like, oh, like, where do you get these stories from? Like, where, where do you come out with these things, you know? And I remember at, at 11 years old, I had 11 years old problems, you know, like, oh, I, want to, I don't know whether I can pass my exam. I don't know whether I can go to this school that I want to go to. And I had 11 years old stress, you know, and, and I was sitting there sharing with her my problems and she was like, hey, you know, do you want me to pray for you? It's like, sure, pray for me. And so I figured praying for me equals to like, I will leave the house, go back home, and then she will pray for me. You know, but I, I didn't imagine that she would actually like hold me, lay her hands on me, and she's like, I'm going to pray for you now. I was like, oh, right now? Okay, I was like, okay, what do I do? You know, like, how should I position my, my hand? In what chakra form, you know, should I put my hand? <laughs> and so I was like trying to figure out, like, do I kneel? Do I stand? Do I bow? You know, and, and so she was just holding me and she started praying for me. And, and the way I would describe it, okay, and I'm sure many of you had this experience before, it was as though, like, I had weights on my shoulders that I never knew existed before, and they just fell off. And I just felt light. I felt like, you know, I, I could fly, you know. I felt like, like there was this, the thing that weighed me down was no longer there, and I started crying and crying and crying at 11 years old. And right there and then, I was like, I was like you know what, I, I don't mind having Jesus in my life. So I was like, let's pray the prayer. <laughs> and so, and so, so I accepted Jesus into my life at 11 years old. And you know, being 11 years old, you know, you have all sorts of distractions, like Beyblade and Pokemon, you know. I, I have to be honest, right before I came here just now, I was watching the World Beyblade Championship. It's ridiculous. It's two boys, like, throwing the top and just looking at the top and the thing spin, and they're absolutely doing nothing. And... Yeah, there's a Beyblade World Championship. Whoa, worldwide. <laughs> Things that I entertain myself with these days. And so, uh, and so, uh, so many distractions, right? And friends, and filet fish, and McChicken, you know? And, and so many things that tries to pull your attention away. And so, of course, my salvation experience didn't last very long. You know, I, I did not surround myself with the right people. I did not uh, plug myself into a church community which is so important. This is why we gather. We gather because, you know, it, this is where, you know, you, you get refueled, you get recharged. This is where you get plugged in to like-minded people. This is where you experience and encounter the presence of God. This is important, ladies and gentlemen. And so, uh, that experience didn't last very long and lo and behold, I went to secondary school and, uh, you know, went about my life and uh, over the course of my secondary school time, you know, different people tried to reach out to me. Different people tried to uh, witness to me. At one point, I was a, um, how do I put it? 
I was a for sure Christian. Because the girl that I wanted to date was a Christian. And she had this requirement that the guy also be a Christian. So, I know I repent already, okay? So, what I did was I bought a big Bible. It's about this big. Huge Bible, okay? Huge. And I would go out of my house in a ridiculously small sling bag. So, the Bible cannot fit in a sling bag, right? And so, when she come and meet me for dinner, right, I'll be holding a Bible, reading like Leviticus to show that I'm spiritual. And so, at, at that point, I was like, you know, I had a Bible. I was a fake Christian. Eh, no, no funnier. So, so, so I, I was doing all these things, right? I had a Bible. Uh, I knew the gospel fairly well. Um, I knew all the Bible stories because of uh, my tuition teacher, you know, had, a, had the crash course in Sunday school. I, I knew all these things. I had all the information. I had all the, the right things to do. I even owned a Bible. I, I had all these things. But I did not have a relationship with God. And um, at 16 years old, I remember I was uh, in, where's that, Brass Passa, okay? So I was walking down the street. I was going for uh, some remedial class tuition thing. Uh, it was an O-level year, very stressful, O-level. And so uh, I was crossing the, I was walking the road, and then as I was walking, I saw my, my, my great desire, I saw McDonald's opposite the road. And I remember the days of my youth where I was overwhelmed and caught up with filet fish and McChicken. And so I saw, I saw it across the road. And how many of you know where Bras Pasa is or have been to Bras Pasa? Yes? Do you know that Bras Pasa, there's, there's this big uh, stretch of road that has four lanes to it? Four lanes, right? And so... Smart, impressionable, 16-year-old Andre was like, I'm going to cross the road to McDonald's. And so I waited, you know, I was, I was not that dumb, I was pretty smart. Okay, I was not smart enough. So uh, the, I waited for the traffic to stop and uh, it was a red light and, and all the cars stopped. And I was like, okay, I'm going to like cross the road. You know, like the frog game, you know, where the cars are in. What's it called? Frogger, is it? Yeah, so I was like, Oh, I'm so dated. I'm so old. I cannot, I cannot take it. <laughs> and so, and so I, I was like, some traffic and trying to get there. And so as I was crossing, um, I hit okay, the fourth lane and um, there was this big truck next to me. And so I really couldn't see the, the, the road that was in front of me. I couldn't see if there were cars coming or not. And so I just like, just dashed across. So I dashed across and I got hit by a car. I got hit by a car, and uh, it was a Mercedes convertible. You know, if you want to get hit by a car, at least get hit by a Mercedes. You know, so you have stories to brag about, like, oh, you got hit by a Honda, only. Oh, yeah. I got hit by Merce. So I, I got hit by, by a Merce, and, uh, and, and so it, it, it hit me at such an impact. I actually flew across two lanes. I was wearing spectacles there, and the spectacles flew. Uh, my ridiculously small sling bag broke apart, everything flew out, I was wearing flip-flops, and the flip-flops flipped and flopped everywhere, and so everything was everywhere, and so I was lying on the ground. Um, and it was really funny because um, across the road were, were two of my friends who were going to a church at that point in time, and they actually tried witnessing to me. And, you know, they, when I, when I hear the story from them, they were like, oh, we were going to McDonald's and we saw this man fly and this boy fly, and we were like, we got to help that boy. And so this is what they did. You know, I was lying on the ground, you know, of course, because I got hit by a car. So I was lying on the ground, 
And then these two boys who went to my school in my class, they came and they were like, Andre, what are you doing here? <laughs> so I wanted to explain, you know, physics. I want to explain like, oh, you know what? I got I was crossing the road and you know, but of course I didn't answer that, man. So and so they helped me up and it was so interesting that I got hit by a car, but you know, it, it felt like I, I was alright. You know, but but I, I heard stories of people who get hit by a car and after that they were concussion, then they were concar they were they will die, you know, and and so I was so afraid. And so what happened was they I, I got up and I saw this lady who was like in her 30s and she came out of the car all panicky. And then I was like, as a 16 boy, I was like, ma'am, is your car okay? <laughs> and so she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And so and so she she grabbed me and you know, it's my first time in a Merce convertible. I actually got to ride in a Merce convertible, yay. And so, and so I, I sat in the car and we rushed to the hospital. And uh, little did I know that uh, she was actually on her way to a family gathering. So her entire extended family was there, you know. So like grandma, grandma, uncle, auntie, distant uncle, auntie, all there. You know, four cars of people there. So they were all waiting in the hospital. And uh, so they rushed me in. And, uh, you know, I, I went for the checks, I went for the x-rays, I went for the different checks, you know, they, they checked my body and, and stuff like that. And uh, at that point, I, I called my mom, and so she, she rushed down with my, my dad and um, took them a while. And so what ha- ended up happening was after the checks, you know, I found myself in the doctor's office. It was the doctor, it was me, and then the driver. So the doctor asked the driver, I was like, driver? How fast were you going? He said, I was going 70 kilometers per hour. Okay, 70, that's fast. Okay, so she was going at 70 in a MERS convertible, sport car, okay? So she was going fast, and I was sitting there, and the doctor looked at me and, and said, boy, most people would die on impact at 70 kilometers per hour. Okay, plus, mind you, I flew two lanes. It, it, was, it was that hard. Chubby boy flying two lanes. Takes a lot of force, okay? Force equals to mass times acceleration. Aha! <laughs> I tell you, man, and, and, so, and so I was like, I was like, I could have died. And then he said this, you know, he looked at me and he said, oh, I, I have no idea why. I don't know how it happened. It's a miracle, but you don't have any broken bones, not even a single cut. I did not have a single cut, nor a single bruise, nor any broken bones. And I left the hospital that day, without any bandages, without any wraps, without any medication, I was completely fine. And so, I was sitting in the hospital uh, waiting room. You know, it was me, my dad, who was calm and collected, and my wailing mom, who <laughs> was just like beside herself, because her son nearly died. And, and I was sitting there, and I was just thinking to myself, like, oh my gosh, how, how am I alive? Or why am I alive? And why did the doctor say it was, a, it was a miracle? And I remember on my way to the hospital, you know, I just got hit by a car, okay? I refresh everyone's memories. And, and I, was, I was in a car and I was like, I don't know where I'm going to end up if I die. You know, I don't know what's going to happen to me if I die. And so I was like, you know what? One of these gods must be real. And so as a smart 16-year-old who understand the the rationale behind probability. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to pray to every single God. So on the way to the hospital, <laughs> it was not a long drive. I covered Buddha. I covered Allah. I covered Jesus. I covered everyone, you know? 
even Confucius, just, just for safety's sake. And, and so I, I remember I was panicking, I was afraid, I was praying to every God. And, and in a hospital room, I was like, you know what? I'm pretty sure this is supernatural. I'm pretty sure that, that my life was preserved in some manner. You know, it, it doesn't make sense. And right there in the hospital, as, as I was sitting down, I felt this feeling that I felt when I was 10 years old. I was sitting in my tuition teacher's uh, uh, a house, and I felt this thing of a, a weight that fell off me and this sense of peace that seemed to cover my entire body. And I was sitting in a hospital room, and I just had that same experience again. And instinctively, I knew that it was Jesus. Jesus preserved my life. Jesus loved me, and he, he preserved me, and he saved me for a purpose. And, and it was right there in the hospital room. Um, I probably sh- I'm, I'm sure I probably didn't do it the right way, but it was a sincere way. And I, 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 in my own manner, I just prayed to Jesus, like, Jesus, I, I know you saved me, and I, I want to follow you. And that's how I got saved. That's, I gave my life in, to Jesus in the hospital room. And you know, at that point, you know, in, in time, I, I, I was so overwhelmed by the love that I just experienced. Okay, because, I, I mean, this is shocking to, to some of you, but I wasn't a good kid growing up. Okay, I, I said all the bad words. I was such a bad influence. I got into fights. I uh, even cursed and swore at people who would try to bring me to church. I held a Bible just to get a girl to be my girlfriend. I did all the bad things. And for some reason, Jesus loved me enough to save me, to rescue me, to preserve my life. He forgave me even when I didn't deserve it or even to the extent of not asking for it. I did not ask to be forgiven. I did not ask for it and and He he did it anyway. You know, and one of my favorite verses in the Bible growing up, and it still is my favorite verse in the Bible, it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says that while we are yet sinners, Christ came and died for us. While we are yet sinners, while we were enemies of God, while we were wayward, you know, in our trespasses, while we were far and distant from Him, while we did not deserve forgiveness, did not deserve love, He loves us. And not in a figurative way, not in just vocalizing it, but he actually did something. He gave his son because he loves us. And he forgives us. And, and it's so radical and it completely blew my mind when, when I, I discovered that love that immediately I was like, I, I need to give Jesus my life. I need to, to give this Christianity thing a shot. And so, going back to my first point of what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? I'm sure every one of us are here in this room today because we came seeking for forgiveness in Christ. We came and we, we probably had similar experience, maybe not as dramatic as mine, but equally as valid. You encountered the love of God, you encountered the forgiveness of God, and you're like, I'm so... I give my life to Jesus. And based on that, we can make the assumption that we come into the Christian faith because of forgiveness. And in order to continual, continually walk in the Christian faith, we have to embrace a lifestyle 
of forgiveness. Does that make sense? Forgiveness is the way of the Christian faith. If I look at the life of Jesus, I read the Gospels, I read the Bible, and I, I ask myself, by what are some of the key attributes, the key characteristics, the core values of Jesus that He displayed in the Bible, you cannot avoid or skim over the core value and the characteristic of forgiveness. He loved so much that He forgave. Could it be that for you and me to walk in the manner of Christ, for you and me to mature in the Christian faith, for you and me to truly be disciples of Jesus, could it be that we ought to embrace that value as well? Forgiving people is super hard, but it reveals God. It reveals who He is. You know, I remember this story in, in, in the book of Mark, you know, um, a Roman centurion, Roman soldier. He was standing at the foot of the cross as Jesus was being crucified. No, and this Roman centurion, okay, his job was probably just to crucify people. And so he, he has been through this whole crucifixion process multiple times, probably a thousand times at least. Okay, and so it was just a normal day for this soldier. It was like, I got to crucify this guy. I did that yesterday, I'm going to do it today. And so it was a normal day for this Roman centurion. But you know, the Bible accounts for this encounter that this Roman soldier had at the foot of the cross of Jesus. And he witnessed Jesus and he saw how Jesus responded, how Jesus conducted himself in the midst of probably one of the most brutal moments in human history. He was beaten, he was bruised, he was insulted, he was shamed. But at every moment, of his punishment, Jesus loved. When they were pinning him on the cross, he yelled out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. As he was near the cross next to sinners, he was like, today you will be with me in paradise. He forgave. Continually he loved, continually he forgave. And, and the Roman soldier, he witnessed every single moment. And at the end of it, he said, truly this must be the Son of God. Radical, crazy, right? For a soldier who has witnessed multiple crucifixions to come to probably a, a same old crucifixion standing there in front of the cross and said, truly you must be the Son of God. What did Jesus do that was so crazy, so out of this world, so divine that would lead to this bold confession, truly you must be the Son of God? Could it be that in spite of all that he went through, he loved and forgave. And that was what brought this Roman soldier to conversion. Could it be that we ought to do the same as well? When we face certain circumstances, when we face certain opposition, when people wrong us, when people come against us, we choose to love, we choose to forgive. Could it be that that is what distinctively makes us Christian? Could it be that Christianity is so much more than having your Sundays blocked out on your calendar. Could it be Christianity means, you know, it, it directly affects the way you respond to circumstance, to conflict? Could it be? 
And so I, I asked myself a question like, how do I forgive? How do I choose to love in spite of conflict? Like, what does it, like, you know, this person wronged me. This person did this against me. This person backstabbed me. This person said all these mean things. This person stole from me. This person did all these things to me. And so, in my mind, okay, for me to react, to respond, to retaliate, okay, following me, is justifiable, right? It is okay, right? But, you know, we look at the conduct of Jesus at a crucifixion. They pinned an innocent man on the cross. They beat him. They scourged him. They did all these things to him. Did he deserve that? No, right? And so, would it make sense for him to retaliate then? It would, right? But he chose not to. See, this is what he, he did, okay? For all of us, this cycle in our lives, at least once or twice or maybe multiple times, you know, it always starts if you get hurt, right? You get hurt. You get upset, okay? And then you bear an offense, okay? And then you begin to embrace unforgiveness, okay? And it always results in an act of revenge, okay? And then here's what happened. When you an act on revenge, when you retaliate against the person, that person will get hurt, and that person will get offended, and that person will bear unforgiveness, and that person will, will bring about revenge, and then he will hurt you, and then after that, you will get hurt, you will get offended, you will bear unforgiveness, and then you will take revenge, and then you will hurt the person back. And it never ends. That cycles keeps on going and going and going and going. And this is what Jesus did. Jesus was hurt. But he chose not to be offended. He chose not to bear unforgiveness. And by extension, he chose not to enact on revenge. And what did he do? He broke that cycle. It stopped. It ended with him. What if the Christian life is to do that? What if in life you come into situations in, in circumstances where you are hurt? where you have an opportunity to be upset, but you choose not to take revenge, you choose not to retaliate, but you choose to forgive. What if? Are you all with me? Yes? Shall we take a toilet break and... <laughs> I, guys, you know, I, I know this is a pretty heavy subject. You know, I, I wanted to preach on Mulan today. I wanted to preach on how, you know, that, that man said, you will never bring your family honor, but Mulan overcame the odds. I wanted to preach on that. I wanted to preach on the Lion King, how like Mufasa was in Simba. It was like the Holy Spirit. Simba, I am in you. You know, I wanted to do all these things. But, you know, I, I, I can make you laugh and I can, you know, uh, uh, get to a point maybe, but you know, I, I was just thinking to myself, you know, like, like the success of what I do here today is not by how much I make you laugh or like how many people come to the altar call. You know, I can, as a preacher, I can give an altar call like, I feel any one of you who has ever felt defeated, come to the front. And at least 70-80%, okay? Or I can go, everyone that's here, come to the front. And then I get 100%, you know? <laughs> right? Right? And then I'll be like, successful, you know, go out, take my picture on Instagram, and then like, look at all these people that responded. 
But that's not the point. That's not why I'm here. I'm here to challenge you. I'm here to tell you that there's more to the Christian life than this. This is great, but if this does not transform the way you live, does not transform the way you react, does not transform the way you love others, then to some degree, this is in vain. Come on. So, this subject of forgiveness is not a one-off event. It is a lifestyle that we are called to embrace. How much time more do I have? 5.42. Okay. I actually never use my notes. I feel so sad. Can I print and give to you? <laughs> I type, oh no, take very long. <laughs> okay, maybe let me share with you uh, another thought, Okay. How many of you have read the Bible? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, in the Bible, uh, there's this interesting verse, okay? It says that whoever is angry with a brother is like a murderer. It's in 1 John, okay? And it's also uh, uh, featured and it's also stated in Matthew where, where, you know, it talks about Sermon on the Mount. And it's such a crazy statement, right? Like, whoever is angry with a brother is like a murderer, how many of you have ang- been angry with someone before? Okay? Angry with a brother, a sister, a brethren, a sister? You know? <laughs> like, what's the female equivalent of brethren? Nobody knows. <laughs> right? We've all been upset with people before, right? But you know, that, that word angry, is, 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 it means so much more than the emotional anger. To be angry, that word there in the Greek, okay, it actually means to set yourself against okay, to oppose, to be offended, to bear unforgiveness. That is what that word means. It means that, that, hey, I choose to take on this offense, I choose to be, to bear this unforgiveness, I choose to stand against you. And the Bible says that that person is like a murderer. And so, you know, to, to everything that we study, okay, we have to study it in a context. Everybody say context. Context, right? When you study social studies, okay, you also study what's the other one? History, right? History. No meh? Now there's school changer. Oh, did I even go to school? <laughs> okay, you, you always study history and SS, okay, in lower sec, right? That one never changed. No, uh, no, not like that. Uh. Okay, never mind. My analogy never worked. Okay, we'll move on. <laughs> so, okay, listen to me, okay? The Bible has a context, okay? It has history behind it, okay? And so you have to understand, okay, when they were writing this book and the letters, they were writing it to a specific audience. Everybody say audience. Audience, okay? And so you have to understand that this was written in the context of the Roman rule, okay? Rome was ruling then, okay? And so to fully understand this passage of Scripture, we have to understand what does it mean to be a murderer in Roman times. Everybody follow me? Okay? So the Bible says this, okay? When you bear unforgiveness, when you carry an offense, you're like a murderer. When you commit murder in Rome, okay, they will punish you. But they, most of the time, they will not execute you. But this is what they will do to a person that, that commits murder. Can I borrow you? Come. So handsome. Why wow, you got lying behind your head? Wow. Wow. You think I never noticed? Line upon line, precept upon precept. Uh, okay. Okay. 
What's your name, bro? Matthew. Oh, chill. Okay. So this is what they will do to a person that commits murder in Rome. Okay, pretend I'm a murderer. Everybody say murderer. Andre murderer. Murderer. Okay. They will take the dead body. You're a dead body. Okay. Okay, yeah, can. can. Okay, he's a dead body now. Okay, they will take the dead body and they will chain me hand to hand, feet to feet, face to face. Okay, done. Okay, okay I'll, I'll preach like that. Okay, pretend, uh, hand to hand, feet to feet, face to face. Okay, and my sentence as a person who has committed murder in Rome is to live the remainder of my life being chained to a dead corpse. That is what it means to carry unforgiveness. That is what it means to be offended. Can you imagine having a conversation with a dead body in front of you? Okay, can you imagine that? Like, let's go Lim Tae. Let's go play CS. Let's go. <laughs> I can't. Right? What does this do? What does this do? This isolates me from community. This isolates me from people. And see, what, what can I do? Can I play sports? Can I go around? No. Right? <laughs> this dead body is weighing me down. Right? I cannot move. I cannot, I cannot be free in my movement. Right? It's weighing me down. See, the truth is, when you bear unforgiveness, it keeps you from your destiny. It keeps you from moving to where you ought to go to. It is the number one saboteur of destiny. If you ever wonder why you're not getting to where you ought to be, you're not seeing some of the promises fulfilled in your life, maybe you have to ask yourself the question, am I bearing unforgiveness? Do I have offense in my life? You know, and, and, and look at this, Okay. Okay, are you okay? <laughs> you're so you're so dead. Not talking. It's quite tiring. Quite tiring. Okay, okay. Uh, you are alive. Okay. No, no. Okay. Pretend. Okay. Pretend he's standing. Okay. The sentence is to have my hands chained to his hands, my feet chained to his feet, and my face chained to his face. Okay. Can you imagine that? Just like that. Do you know that because of that? Everything I see, I see through a lens of offense and unforgiveness. I see through that, okay, which I put in front of me. It obstructs my view. It changes my perspective. Have you ever wondered why some people just react? <laughs> Maybe it's because they, 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 they carry some measure of offense and unforgiveness in their heart. And see, this is what ends up happening, okay? They get chained to a dead, decaying corpse. Everyone follow me. He is dead, he is decaying, Okay? One or two things will happen. Either A, this person, the murderer, he goes insane because of the smell, the, 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 the complete isolation from community, it, it ends up driving him crazy, okay? Or two, okay, because they are stuck together, the decaying flesh, okay, releases these toxins and it seeps into the skin of the one that's still alive and it kills him slowly and painfully. That is what unforgiveness does. That is what choosing to carry offense does to you and me. It kills us. It sabotages destiny. It, it stops us from getting to where we need to go. Thank you so much, Matthew. Love the line. <laughs> you just got it? You did? Wow. <laughs> How many of you are following me today? It, it, 
it hinders us from getting to where we need to go. It, it kills us. You know, this is what uh, Joyce Meyer says about unforgiveness. Joyce Meyer says that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It keeps you in this place where, where you, you're almost sabotaging yourself. Could it be in order to become a disciple of Jesus, we have to embrace forgiveness in our lives? Choosing to not enact on revenge, choosing to not retaliate. Could it be that in order to see the fullness of God's promises manifest in our lives, we ought to get rid of offense and unforgiveness? I love that verse that was quoted earlier in worship, Hebrews 12, laying aside every weight, looking unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Could it be that some of you today need to lay down the weight of offense, need to lay down the weight of unforgiveness? Could it be that today, I'm not supposed to give an altar call, but some of you are supposed to make some phone calls to friends, to families, and choose to forgive them. Because here's the thing. Jesus forgave even when they did not deserve this. Jesus forgave even when it hurt. Could it be that when Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me, he did not mean take up a literal cross, but he meant take up the way of the cross. The cross in and of itself is not powerful, but it's the way to which the Messiah died that was powerful. He died loving and He died forgiving. Could it be that to be disciples of Jesus, to be the ones who follow Him, we ought to forgive as well? Can we stand? And uh, I want to pray for you. A lot of you need prayer after this because the word is so scary. And uh, Andre did not tell many jokes as he promised. I want to share with you this story. This this is probably the most, uh, it, it's, it's a horrifically sad story, but you know, it, it, it's also a story of redemption. The story goes, you know, there's this place um, in the U.S. called Nickel Mines. Everybody say Nickel Mines. Nickel Mines. Say Nickel Mines. Nickel Mines. And in Nickel Mines, okay, it was a really peaceful, small town. What happened was uh, a man, he uh, lost his children in an accident and he became really distraught. He became really uh, uh, affected and he lost his mind along the way. And what he ended up doing was he ended up going to a school uh, filled with children. And uh, because of his loss, because of his grief, because of what he went through, he ended up murdering seven children in that school. Seven young girls in that school. And straight away, the newspaper reported Nickel Mines tragedy. Seven girls murdered. In hours following that, that event, uh, people from the community showed up at the house of this man who, after he killed the girls, ended up taking his life. He showed up to a house with with a grieving wife who's just lost her husband and also filled with, with grief and, and filled with remorse for what her, her husband did. And the community looked at her and they began to embrace her and said, we forgive you, we love you. And the people that showed up in the house included people who were 
parents of the girls who were, who were dead, who were relatives of the, of the girls who were killed, they showed up and they, they forgave her. They loved her. And, and they, the, the community ended up coming back the next few days with baskets of food, with support for this family. And at the funeral of this man who committed such an atrocity, he, he killed seven girls in cold blood. The community showed up and mourned his death. And the people that came included the parents of the girls who were killed. They chose to forgive. They chose not to bear an offense. Crazy, right? I don't think, I, I'm, I, I can safely say I wouldn't be able to do it. And what happened was, you know, the headlines on newspapers wrote, Nickel Mines tragedy, seven girls killed. Within days, it turned from the Nickel Mines tragedy to the Nickel Mines miracle. Within days. This is what forgiveness does. They chose to forgive. They chose not to bear offense against this man. It hurt. Yes, it hurt. But they chose not to and actually, they chose not to bear revenge and it turned a tragedy into a miracle. You see, the cross of Jesus is a cross that we call wonderful today. It's a cross that we call beautiful today because he chose to forgive. How many of you actually know that that cross, okay, is a means of execution? It's how they kill people in that day. But today we look at that cross, some of us even wear it around our necks and we call it wonderful, we call it beautiful. Why? It's because he, Jesus, in spite of all that was against him, in spite of all that he went through, in spite of all the hurt, all the pain, chose to forgive, chose to love. That is what makes Christianity beautiful. That's what makes the cross beautiful. And that is what you and I are called to embrace. That is what it means to be truly Christian. Amen. And so I, wow. And so I want to pray for you this morning, can I? Uh, this evening, can I? Yeah? Just invite you to close your eyes. And uh, I want to pray for a few people today. If today you, you are, you're saying, I want every eye to be closed. Today you're saying that, that, you know, Andre, whatever you're saying today, I, I, uh, it makes sense to me. I have certain individuals in my life who have harmed me, have wronged me. I've gone through certain things and they're hurtful, they're painful. And I want to forgive, but I, I don't know how. Or it's so hard. I, I need grace. If that is you this evening, you, you're saying... Andre, can you pray for me? I want some grace to forgive. I want to learn to forgive. I need help. If you're saying that is you this evening, I want you to raise your hands. You know, with every eye closed, every head bowed, is there anyone that would like prayer for that? Okay, I see your hand, I see your hand, I see your hand. We're just going to give it a bit more time. If you're saying, I, I need grace on my life this, this evening to forgive, Yes, I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. Jesus, we, we ask that you will come in such a manner 
this evening that you'll come and pour your grace upon this room. Grace which is that divine empowerment that comes from heaven. And God, we say that we want to love like you love. We want to forgive like you forgive. That Lord, we want to take this walk seriously. That Lord, we want to mature not just as a Christian, but, but mature as one who loves, as one who, who professes to be a follower of Jesus. And Lord, we ask that, that in, in, in every circumstance, in every situation that we may be facing right now, that God, you will give us the grace to forgive, the grace to choose to love even when it hurts, even when it's painful. God, that you will give us such an empowerment from heaven that enables us to do that. God, we thank you that it's not by our love that people are changed, but it's by your love. Lord, we ask that our lives would be conduits, would be vessels for you to pour your love through. And I'll pray for a second group of, of people before I leave. And, and for this, I want every eye to be closed. Every eye to be closed. You know, often I've realized that the hardest person to forgive is yourself. Oftentimes I realize the hardest person to forgive is yourself. You know, oftentimes you are your worst critic, you are your worst judge. And so if today you, you're struggling with a sense of worth, you're saying, I, I've, I've beaten myself down multiple times, I've not given myself any grace, I have... I've kept myself ransom. I've, I've, I've held myself ransom because of certain things, certain mistakes I've done in the past. Can I tell you that, that, that the Bible says that He keeps no record of your wrong. He forgives you. He cleanses you from all righteousness, from all your mistakes. He cleanses you. And today, you need to make a decision for yourself to forgive yourself for the mistakes that you have made. And so if that is you this evening, you're saying, Andre, can you pray for me? I struggle with forgiving myself. I struggle with a, a sense of self-worth. I struggle with believing that I amount to something. I will struggle with believing that I'm actually good. I'm actually worth it. I struggle with it. We're saying that's you this evening. I want you to raise your hands and see your hands. I'll pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hands. I see your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just going to give it a few more moments. Thank you. I see your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hands. Great. Great. Jesus, we thank you that freely we've received. We have received it freely. God, today we, we say we want to freely receive your forgiveness, to freely receive your love that is unconditional, that, that goes beyond our wildest comprehension, that goes beyond all understanding, that goes beyond our expectation. Lord, we thank you for your love that sets us free, that causes us to live differently, that causes us to be free from every sense of shame, every sense of, of worthlessness, God. And right now, in Jesus' name, I break off shame from you. 
I break off that sense of, of feeling that you're not worthy of belonging, that you're not worthy of love. I break off shame from you right now. I even sense that, that, that some of you have even contemplated not coming to this gathering anymore because of certain things that you've done. But right now, the Lord is just breaking that feeling off. Shame you are to go in Jesus' name. Right now. And Father, I proclaim over this group of people that they will be free to forgive. That they will be free to forgive. That they will begin to embrace the truth of what you say they are. They will embrace the truth of how clean and how cleansed and how set free they are by your blood. I declare over you freedom. Freedom, freedom. In Jesus' name. In closing, I want you to lay a hand on the person on your left and on your right. Just lay a hand on your shoulder. And in your own way, I want to begin to pray for the people around you that they will embrace forgiveness as a lifestyle, that they will be empowered by the grace of God to forgive even when it hurts, that they will truly live a life of a believer, sold out Christian. Begin to pray for them. Come on, in your own way, use words, pray for them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Come on, pray for them like you want to be prayed for. Lift your voices. Thank you, Jesus. done praying for the people on your left and right, I want you to lay a hand on yourself. Put a hand on your heart when you're done praying for them. When you're done praying for people on your left and right, please put a hand on your heart. And now I want you to begin to pray for the person that really needs it the most. Begin to pray for yourself. God, give me grace. God, give me grace. Give me grace. Give me grace. Begin to ask the Lord for people in your life that you have to make that bold conversation with. People in your life that you need to forgive. Begin to ask the Lord if there are any hidden offenses that you need to address in your life. 
just ask for grace this evening. Father, we pray that the reality of your love will constantly grip our hearts. God, I pray for everyone in this room right now. God, you hear our cry. You know our situations. You know our struggles. God, you know the things that we, we wrestle with, whether it is unforgiveness or just the shame we feel at ourselves sometimes. Father, we pray that your spirit will break through and speak your freedom, your love, your light into each of us right now. And so God, as we stand in your presence, God, we are so thankful for all that is found in the perfect and loving and saving name of Jesus. And so God, as we, even as we wrap up our service, God, would you help us to live the way of the cross, would you help us to live as real disciples and, and followers of Christ? Would you help us to live with the reality of your word in our lives, the reality of your love, the reality of your forgiveness that we have been set free and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Father, would you help us to walk in that freedom and walk in that light and walk in your love, God? So God, we thank you. We thank you for your presence here with us. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, if you would like your GLs to pray with you, you can talk to them. We will see you next week for CG.